All right. Welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. <laughs> 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Hey, that first part, if you uh, if you recognize that, that I, I don't know. Anthony Tregoski is on with me. Tregoski, did you recognize that sound? I sure did. You hear that? Uh, if you didn't, if you didn't recognize that, that was a Blue Angel. I think Blue Angel number seven that flew over Lacrosse landed at the airport today. We were out there. Well, you weren't out there. I was out there. Chagoski. Would you, if I would have texted you to come out? Would you? Well, you might have had class. But are you into stuff like that? Oh, absolutely, Rick. But you know, you were asking the hard hitting questions today, <laughs> and I don't know if I could have pulled that off. Yeah, we can get into that uh, in a little bit. I the two pilots out there, and um, you know what? I didn't write their names down. I know one. <laughs> I know one is Julius. Uh, I should have wrote their names down. I took pictures of the of the plane because their names are on the side of the plane. I was like, okay, well, I got their names for later, and then yeah, I didn't. I didn't write them down. Of course, of course, you point that out. Thanks a lot. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Jagoski. I'm Rick Solom. It's going to feel weird without the regular open, without the guy yelling, uh, have something to complain about. But if you do, you can talk, you can text, you can do either of those. And uh, number three is calling in. Should we go to number three right away, Trigoski? I'll let you do some production stuff. Number three, you're on the air. Go ahead. Did you get your car washed up at the airport today? No, I've got a ship shape membership, man. I go as many times. In fact, I'm trying to get Trigoski to get one of my coupons so we both get a free You've month. You've been hustling me for a while on that. <laughs> and I just oh, haven't, given, I, I haven't given you the coupon yet because uh, it's in my car and I keep forgetting. <laughs> He's probably on a commission. I, anyway, seeing you got the professor on there tonight, and before you two college dudes start talking way over this little Norwegian mind of mine, uh, Anthony, you got to be Polish with a name like that, right? <laughs> yeah, number three, you got it. Okay, how much percentage Polish are you? Uh, number three, I believe, based on my 23andMe results, I'm about half. About uh, fifty-fifty. Okay, well, I'm fifty over fifty Norwegian. So anyway, you are over Joe Heim's popularity now because I've seen you on television, seen your picture in the paper, and you're on WIZM quite a bit. All right. Right. Are you after Joe uh, Gow's job? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Gao, uh, you know, I, I am uh, I, I enjoy being way down the food chain from Joe Gao here at UWL. Well, I just thought, you know, you're getting to be a pretty popular dude, and I just thought maybe you were thinking about higher things in life, you know. I mean, nothing wrong with what you're doing now, but, you know, I just thought maybe you wanted to get up the ladder. Number three, he's going to be a Fox News and CNN pundit. That's the that's the life goal oh, here. He'll be, be with my friend Mr. Hannity then. <laughs> yeah. We'll take, we'll take you out and wine and dine you. Get you smart, okay? All right. Thanks, thanks for the call, number three. Uh yeah, uh, did, have you been busted vaping lately, Trigoski? I don't know. 
I don't even have tenure, so I've got to watch what I do, Rick. Yeah, uh, Lieutenant Julius Bratton and Lieutenant Caitlin Forrester, those were the two pilots that were out there, uh, just just to get that out there. We'll, I've, I've got, I asked a couple of questions to each of them. Uh, I asked uh, Bratton a couple of questions I want to play later, the uh, Blue Angels pilots. Um, that we can get into later. And number three says, number three talks like we we uh, we talk over people's heads on Friday. Man, that's the that's absolutely not what. If anything, I'm dumbing the dumbing everything down for me. But like I I'm like I don't know. You almost have to stoop to my level when you come on here on Friday. I think. Well, I've gotten I've gotten used to it by now. You know, I've got sort of the normal level of talking about politics, and then I've got the Rick level of right. talking about <laughs> politics. Yeah. On the and- other hand, though, Rick, I have noticed that as you've become a political junkie, I can you know raise the bar a bit. I need to I need to have Ron Kine's political junkies. I need a hot button in here, and I have them. I just <laughs> it's completely empty. It just says Hannity calls. I don't even know what that is, um, and I don't even know how to hit that. If I hit that button, I don't know what happens. But uh. Yeah, in 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 prepping for the show for the week, I always just randomly send you stuff and whatever sticks sticks. And you know, in terms of talking uh, way above people, you know, with our college degrees, uh, this is one I sent you, and I I really think we need to break this down just for a couple minutes before Brad gets to the news here. Uh, Yashar Ali, I think he's a New York Post reporter. He tweeted out today: Pepsi and Peeps have joined forces to create marshmallow soda. Marshmallow soda. So do Peeps – I haven't eaten a Peep in a while. What's your take on Peeps as we get close to Easter here? Well, first of all, I love Marshmallow Peeps. Uh, even better are the Marshmallow Peeps that have a chocolate covering. So uh, but- big big fan. I'm, I'm actually hitting up Panati's tomorrow to uh, stock up. And now I, I'm not sure, though, about how a Pepsi-flavored Peeps or Peeps-flavored Pepsi would go – because at what point can you not add any more sugar to Pepsi? <laughs> because that's basically what peeps are, like pure sugar. And so you're adding, you know, you're adding pure sugar to an already sugary drink. And so, like, is it just a bottle of sugar, basically? I, I don't know. Also, peeps and marshmallows taste different, right? Like marshmallows, like if you had, a, is there a plain peep? Is there a marshmallow flavored peep? Well, the, the concept with Peeps is that, you know, wouldn't marshmallows be great if they were just covered with sugar? Okay, is that straight and up? And that, yep. that's the entire concept. <laughs> All right, we're going to take marshmallows, we're going to cover them in sugar, and then we're going to dip them in liquid sugar and call it a soda. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, 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 I guess that was the concept. This is a trifecta layer, trifecta of sugar, I think. We got marshmallow sugar, sugar covering, and then sugar soda. It sounds like uh, a heart attack, perhaps. Heart diabetes. Yeah. It sounds like diabetes. Or, or just a trip to the dentist. Trip to the dentist, diabetes, uh, a push for universal health care. With including dental. I don't know why dental is included, isn't included in health insurance, but we could at least we could go there. Uh, we can see now we're getting to our college degree talk. It's, it's, I'm, I'm sorry. See, this to... is where this is where we go from marshmallow peeps Pepsi into policy discussion. Yeah, right. We've gone from yeah. If there's any, if there's <laughs> one thing that Joe Biden and the Democrats can pass before they essentially lose the Senate again in Georgia, uh, it's that pass some some kind of universal health care so that we don't have to worry about deductibles anymore, or just get rid of deductibles. <laughs> Insurance companies can't have deductibles anymore. Get out of here. 
Um, but yeah, well, Pepsi. Well, at minimum, we can drink our marshmallow peeps flavored Pepsi and then go to the dentist for free. Yeah, I'm not sure here now. That you're, you're. I think you're misconstruing what Pepsi and Peeps are trying to do. They're trying to create marshmallow soda. Pepsi is not, the, and it'll just come in a Pepsi can, so it won't have any affiliation with Pepsi except brand name affiliation. Oh, it's a marshmallow soda. So yes, I was misconstruing it. Well, you know, in that case, I'm I'm game for that. You know, a marshmallow soda. Sure, sign me up. Also, do you want me to cut up this clip from you going to Fanati's to get peeps and see if we can't get a Chagoski endorsement deal where you get free peeps? Well, I know I know Hayes has got the Fanati's hustle going on, so if I can get a piece of that, absolutely. Yeah, we should we should work. I can work on that. We'll see what happens. We can get we can do we'll have Chagoski live at Fanati's uh <laughs> and your your we'll fill your mouth with peeps and be like I'm eating a chocolate peep right now. It's very good. What is the game called where you stick as many marshmallows in your mouth? We'll do that. Something bunny, right? Isn't Chubby it? bunny. Chubby yeah. bunny. We've got Chagoski down at Fanati's playing Chubby Bunny. Chagoski, how many peeps do you have in your mouth? <laughs> we need to do this bit. We need to do this bit. <laughs> Next Friday. We'll figure it out. Next Friday. All right. Speaking of bits, we got to get Brad doing the news. Uh, we'll be back with UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Anthony Chagoski. I got some Blue Angel uh, just questions real quick. We don't have to listen to him to talk too much. And then uh, a Robin Voss quicker clip. Uh, Robin Voss and, and his ability to not do work. We'll be back. Right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 if you want to get on here. If you have political questions or peeps questions, UW Lacrosse political science professor and peeps professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski. It's got it on his card, his little... Uh, Little Peeps logos on the corner of his card. It's a little weird. I, it's, I always wondered what those were, and now I know they're Peeps. Uh, you got those on. Uh, and, and just con- to continue this very high flutin' talk, gluten, high gluten, no, uh, <laughs> talk on Peeps. Uh, no Pepsi-flavored Peeps. We're just doing Peeps-favored Pepsi somehow. Peeps soda instead of, because Pepsi-flavored, where, where, where would you stand on Pepsi-flavored Peeps? I, I, I say any... Any flavor, peeps, I will try. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about any. I could think of, like, poop-flavored <laughs> poop peeps. You'd probably steer away. Uh, cannabis peeps? You going there? What's the what's the UWL policy on cannabis at this point? <laughs> wonder if that'll be, like, the, the sort of, like, the Easter season edibles that, you know, get sold at the... Don't get fired, Chagoski. ...that have legalized marijuana. <laughs> don't get fired. You don't have tenure. Don't get fired. Uh, and, and number no, three, I, bring- I'm not. I'm not eating marijuana flavored tea. <laughs> number three brings up: Do you want Joe Gao's job? No, absolutely not. Why would you want Joe Gao's job? I, I mean, it's, it's like the hardest job at UWL, I think. No, no offense to the professors out there, um, but you, you you steer your political science teaching gig into like uh, Don Lemon, or you, you're just a pundit on these on these CNN shows, right? Not Don Lemon; he's a host. You don't want to be a host of these shows either. You just want to get. You know, like you, you just want to do hits like this, or or, or do you want to be like a like a full time host on on CNN or Fox News or something? Oh no, no, I I, I love to teach, so I, I would never give that up. Uh, I I teach, I you know, the vast majority of what I do is teaching, and you know, turns turns out, Rick, that's actually what I'm trained to do. So like, unbelievable, just stick to that. I mean. The, and then, yeah, okay, so the, can we dive into teaching a little bit? Like how, because we've, sure. we've talked about this a, a little bit, this 
the idea that civics have kind of been thrown out the window. If you want to just go state legislature, uh, do, does is civics gone out the window federally too? Like, I mean, we talk about this filibuster all the time, but I don't know if anyone really understands it. Well, yeah, Rick. So our perspective from political science here is that we assume no prior knowledge on the parts of students when they come into our introductory level courses. And to be clear, that's not the fault of the student. You know, we found that civics education in K-12 is really lacking. And so students come to our classes with very minimal understanding of government or a lot of misconceptions about government. And so we have to kind of start from scratch in many ways, but that's also a really fun challenge. And it's also really cool because you can kind of spark students' interest in, in government. And and that's something that we find is that students really do get a, an interest in government and politics by taking our courses here. And you know, it's, it's really a shame, you know, that we kind of have to start from scratch. But, you know, it's something that we're we're willing to do because it's sort of the hand that we're dealt. Now, in Back to the Future 2, they go back in time, and uh, Biff gets a hold of a, a a betting sports book, and he ends up making all kinds of winning bets and turns into the richest guy in the world, creates an alternate timeline where he's like the ru- ruler of the world. I feel like you have to teach civics, here's how government actually works, and then go back in time a certain amount of years, maybe four, four and a half years, and say, and I don't know, maybe it's less, maybe it's more, and here, here becomes the government alternate timeline where nobody does anything. Uh, if you want to go 11 months ago in the state of Wisconsin, you could do that. But do you have to do that? Here's how government should work, and here's what government isn't doing, or government isn't working right now, or how do, how do you approach that? That's a really key element of my courses, actually, Rick, because, you know, we think in both modes. Like, how does government actually work? And so, you know, there there is a factual answer to those questions. You know, there's a right and a wrong answer there. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time just thinking, like, how does government work? How do politics work? And and again, that's just straight up giving students factual knowledge. But in addition, we do want students to generate their political views and generate their political perspectives. And obviously, you know, I I don't want to steer them in any, any direction. I want to give them all sides and all points of view. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we, we have to kind of mix those things, right? Sort of that factual understanding, that mechanical understanding of government, but then giving students some real background to understand, well, you know, what are my values and, and, and what are my perspectives on politics? Yeah, it could be mixing classes, too. Here, Here's the civics class and here's the current events class. I mean, I'm, I might be doing that a little bit. I'm taking more than one class, Tregoski. That's what I'm doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, and honestly, Rick, like it, our especially our introductory levels do kind of like meld those two uh, together, you know, have like a civics class and a current events class. You know, we we do really blend those. All right, I, before I get to uh, what what Robin Voss has said recently, uh, Joe's calling in. Joe, you're on the air. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I feel like you know my civics class. I'm probably dating myself, but. It was literally the animated rolled-up bill on Congress's steps, you know, <laughs> teaching you about yep. how a law a bill becomes a law. Um, it was several years before I realized that government is actually create 
the laws that you want and then try to defend them using the Constitution with hundreds of lawyers and all my tax money. I think what we need to teach kids is the basic way that government's supposed to work, but then the giant entanglement of lawyers and money uh, and arguing and trying to prove that, you know, one side is doing things a whole made-up way, and then the other side's trying to figure out how that's illegal against the Constitution. And then more lawyers are involved. It's just a huge entanglement of make up your own laws then try to prove that you can't say they're illegal, and that's what each side does every time they're in power. So it's just a giant waste of money and entanglement of interpretation. Um. I, Joe, just I wait. think Joe's absolutely right, just in terms of sort of like broadly teaching students, like here's American government in theory and <laughs> here's American government in practice. Because students sometimes do come to us with sort of these, you know, optimistic views or sort of these like, you know, schoolhouse rock kind of views about how government is supposed to work. And then, you know, we do have to kind of confront them with the reality that, government doesn't always work in the way that, you know, you see it in, in you know, kind of like elementary school textbooks or, or high school textbooks or, or schoolhouse rock. Well, speaking of schoolhouse rock. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> Um, all right, Joe. Hey, thanks for the call, man. I'm gonna. I got a couple other callers here. Um, I don't know who this is, so let's go here. Caller, who is this? Hello. This is Barry. Hey, Barry, you're on the air with Tregoski. Go ahead. Yeah. So it, when I grew up in my high school in Pennsylvania, they had a really interesting program called the Intermediate Unit. We were actually representatives for our school district. We would choose a junior and a senior, and we would draft. Um, we would be taught politics, we would actually draft bills that we would present to our state representative, and then they would take forward to the state legislature. And it was a way for us to practice politics and understanding government policies and bill writing there in high school. And I thought it was a wonderful opportunity, but this was back in the 1980s, so I am dating myself. (laughs) But, you know, I would like to see programs like that that do empower young people to even consider politics as a future yeah thanks thanks barry uh it sounds that sounds cool and everything chagoski but also if we're taking those bills to the state legislature then are we wasting our 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 legislature's time i don't know we see that once in a while these like we're gonna bring some kind of you know the kids bring a bill and then you know they sign it and i guess that gets kids into politics a little bit but um, sometimes the bill is just a little, you know, it's too PR campaigny. No, I, but I, I do do think Barry's on the right track, right? And in, in sort of finding like real world examples of how politics affects students' lives. I mean, I think that's extremely important to generate their interest in politics, and and, and you know that's a big challenge for us, right? Because we have to sort of, you know, one thing that I mentioned last night, I was moderating a UWL debate with Mitch and Vicky for Lacrosse Mayor, and I, I I said that you know one thing that they're going to have to deal with in working with the campus community is that you have a lot of students who are you know just of the mindset that government doesn't work and they're tired of partisanship and and they don't think that government really can do anything for them and they they think the system is broken and so we certainly 
try to unpack that mentality in our classes. But yeah, I conveyed to Mitch and Vicky that, you know, kind of working with the campus community as mayor, that's going to be something that they'll have to think about as well. Government doesn't, government doesn't work. Well. I know we have a great work ethic, but people are people. If you give them free money, uh, they certainly don't have the same incentive to work as if they have to put food on the table through their own labor. Sounds like people don't work, according to Robin Voss. People don't work. <laughs> Government works all the time. We'll get to that. Uh, we got to get to Scott's comment, Brad, doing the news. Tregoski's itching to hear what Scott had to say. It's his favorite part <laughs> of his day, I think. Is it the favorite part of your day? Maybe just Friday. It, it is. Not my week, in fact. Oh, nice. Well, he does it every day, so there's five of them. Well, well, you know, every 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 Scott's comment is the highlight of my week. <laughs> All right, here we go. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, the show off the air. Sometimes just as good as the show on the air. Uh, sometimes, sometimes not. Um, but yeah, we were off the air, me and Chagoski were just talking about the mayor's race a little bit uh, and talking about the situation with Scott's comment, Scott comment coming too hot on a Friday. Is that like a Friday news dump? So people settle down by next Monday, uh, when he's back on the air or, you know, did, did Scott's comment just, did, did Robert Shaw just news dump on us? I enjoyed Scott's comment today because I am furious about what is going on with, with, uh, Joella Stribal and and this uh, oversight uh, proposal for police like this is a travesty. What happened to her? Yeah, she uh, she she uh, and, and people are claiming that her Facebook posts weren't private. I mean, you can go on the the websites that have shared her Facebook post and see that they're private. Like you can see the icon yeah. that makes them private. Also, I I talked about this yesterday, and and she's gonna love that I'm if she's listening. Love that I'm talking about it again, but the website that attacks her, cop hating, I think is part of the headline. They use her picture where she talks about how great her eyebrows look, and they look great. But she t- like that's their main picture for the hey, you stole this photo where she's talking about how great her eyebrows look, and then you attack her on some other things that she said in another post that you stole. Uh, it's just, and then you, if you're ever venturing in the media. Uh, on social media, the media, local media here, you will see oftentimes people p- posting those pictures, uh, attacking her. And if you talk about like, yep. oh, she claims she's being harassed, but is she really? Uh, some some group out there did that too. Uh, yeah, she's definitely being harassed. Just go to any of these stories, go look at the comments, and you'll find uh, you'll find out uh, how she's being harassed all the time, and and whether she's being harassed, uh, you know within her, like social media, you know, where you can private message and stuff like that. Uh, I would imagine, you know, she's probably put up some safeguards in that regard where you can't just get at her anymore. You used to be able to do that. You just go like, I can find Tim Cabot on Facebook, right. And go message him. If I want to harass him I'll, also, I can just harass him through his email. If I'm just a citizen, I can harass him all kinds of ways. Cause I got all kinds of ways to get a hold of Cabot. But, and let's not play dumb here, Rick. You know, whether her information was public or private, this was her personal account. So let's not play dumb about that, you know, about if it even matters if it was public or private. That is completely irrelevant. So let's not even play dumb about that. And I felt that Lori Cooper Stoll's, uh, the, the, from the lacrosse uh, school board, I felt her comments to Wisconsin Public Radio were just so on target today. 
in this discussion about the oversight committee for the SRO program that the district is thinking about creating as a broader redesign of the SRO program, I mean, this raises real questions. Like, if you sign up for that SRO oversight program, are you signing up to be harassed by these tough guys in the police union? Like, is that what you're going to subject yourself to? Because if so, then who is going to want to subject themselves to that? Who's going to want to be involved in oversight of this important program? So this is a really big deal, what is happening here. I just want to emphasize that. It's an extremely big deal when it comes to oversight and accountability of police. And the real risk here is that this has a chilling effect on oversight and accountability because, you know, it is the message here, well, you know, go ahead, engage in oversight. Uh, be a real shame if your information got posted online. Be, be a real shame if you got harassed. But nope, go ahead, engage in oversight. Yeah, is that the message that's being sent here? Yeah, we've seen uh, we've seen a police chief in Campbell fired for kind of attacking somebody uh, years ago, and I'm, I can't remember the exact deals, but getting a hold of his personal information and and doing. I think he signed the guy up for some porn websites or something weird. So. Uh, not that, you know, that's a little bit different of a story, but it's still going after somebody that's a private citizen. And um, not not a shortage of stories in lacrosse. we got a mayor's race. We've got the, the police oversight board situation and um, this PIFA situation also. So we've we've got quite a few things to talk about. Libertarian guy is calling in. Libertarian guy, I, I don't, what, what did you want to talk about? Go ahead, you're on the air. Well, I just wanted to, pick up on the theme that you guys were talking about earlier, and I guess I'm speaking more to your listeners about this concept of whether or not government works. I've been a member of the Libertarian Party for 30 years. The party has been in existence for 50 years. And there's a book out um, by a former Libertarian candidate. He has since passed away named Harry Brown. And the title of his book is Government Doesn't Work. And it's been a long time since I've read it. Um, But it's just full of things where people have good intentions, but they somehow don't work out as intended. The best people to make decisions are the people themselves, and it's it's millions of people making decisions in their boat in their self interest that is effective. And I'm not going to get into all the details there, but but we have freedom in this country. We have liberty, and all of those people making decisions in their self interest is what works. When government gets involved, it's central planning. And so I just want to rattle off some examples, and this is more for your listeners, but Governor Walker, Republican, made a big deal with Foxconn, and it's supposed to bring in all these jobs. That was supposed to work. How'd that work out? Social Security, that's supposed to be, you know, the answer and provide for care um, in our retirement years, but how's that working out? It it pays the lowest rate of interest. I mean, there is there are no interest payments, but you know the government has been rating that fund for years, and many young people today wonder, gosh, is that system going to be there for them? The war on poverty with uh, Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson's thing on the war on poverty that was promised to end poverty. It didn't work. The local stuff that's going on, homelessness, homelessness has been addressed. Lots of times, and we still have homelessness. Um, there's the war on drugs. How's that working out? We got innocent people that have their homes broken into and people that have their lives ruined because they smoked a little pot, um, and it hasn't stopped people from using. Wars in Korea. We're still at war in Korea, technically. 
that oh. hasn't worked out. All right, um, we, we got it. We got Medicare. It. Okay. Okay. So yeah. All right. Government doesn't work. Libertarian guy, uh, always coming with the same message. Um, and uh, okay, so government doesn't work, or we can do what the uh, Wisconsin state government did the last ten months, eleven months, really, until the last month. I, why? Why is it that the 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 legislature went ten months during a pandemic without doing anything, and now we kind of see a flurry of bills, right, Tchaikovsky? I mean. Uh, what happened that uh, all of a sudden we're good? Is it the vaccine? We got a vaccine. We're good. I, I, I think that, you know, now that we're in budget season, that kind of kicks things into motion. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that the legislature and the leaders in the legislature were, you know, pretty stunned by the bad press that they were receiving for their complete inaction for months on end during the pandemic. And that became a theme of press coverage about the legislature. Like, we've got this theoretically full-time legislature that isn't doing anything. And so I think maybe that has had some effect. But, you know, it, it, it you know, remains the big question. Like, what the heck were they doing Do all need- of that time? And what is their explanation for why they are a full-time legislature in theory, but not in practice. Do I need to play the Voss clip again? Do I need to play that? Sure. Uh, here it is. Robin Voss on, uh, you know, how much work everyone's doing. I know we have a great work ethic, but people are people. If you give them free money, uh, they certainly don't have the same incentive to work as if they have to put food on the table through their own labor. What has Wisconsin taxpayers done with uh, state government the last 10 months? I feel like they've been, I feel like Robin Voss has been getting free money. Yeah, yeah. That was a little rich coming from Robin Voss, you know, saying that the stimulus and these unemployment benefits are causing people to not want to work. You know, I I might take that seriously from someone other than Robin Voss, the leader of a legislature that has been by far the least active full-time legislature in the nation. Uh, So it is a bit uh, it is a bit uh, ironic, to put it mildly, that he's critiquing people for not wanting to work when the legislature has just been missing in action for so long. Number one in the nation. That's what I heard. Wisconsin State Legislature yeah. is number one in the nation. Okay, so I want to do the Blue Angels thing real quick uh, before I forget. Uh, Lieutenant Julius Bratton, he's one of the pilots. I think he was the pilot. The uh, The other pilot was Lieutenant Caitlin Forrester. She was in the back seat. So from my understanding, as the pilot in the front seat's driving, I forgot to ask him that driving. Um, but I asked Julius Bratton about, you know, coming into – I think I, I might have left the question here. I can't quite remember. But uh, here – you were, you were, Yeah, okay. So I have, here, here, here I am asking uh, Bratton a question. You were, you were talking just before about the hills. Can you just describe what you, what you saw when you came into La Crosse in the area and just what, what were your impressions? Absolutely. So first impression was once we uh, could see the ground, because there's some clouds up to the north. Uh, but once we could see the ground, I was like, wow, this is beautiful. Um, I mean, it looks really rural, but uh, seeing the farmhouses and the silos and all that was gorgeous. And then once we saw the river, I presume, right, uh, that was just amazing. So then coming in, landing up for runway 36, you see that the, the bluffs just out to the um, to the west are pretty much co-altitude with our 800-foot AGL carrier break and, uh, you know, just make sure that you are above those bluffs before uh, you turn down. 
All right, so he goes into some uh, AGL carrier brick, but it, but also he's doing technical terms there. Is he trying to make up Trigoski for the fact that he had to call out? Is that a river? Is that no? It's the Mississippi River. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was funny though. I think he. I don't know if he was surprised by the bluffs, but uh, he comes out of the clouds and there's lacrosse and there's the bluffs. Oh man, these are pretty high. It's kind of cool to hear. It is, it is, Rick. I, you know, maybe he's just explaining aviation in the way that I explain politics to you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe. Well, he did do the whole AG. I don't know. I don't even remember what he said there. Uh, but I'm just imagining him hitting the brakes and turning. Oh, no, the bluff. There's the flag on Granddad's bluff. And he's hard right, hard right. Uh, as I'm turning left in the studio, I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, I also asked him, I just kind of joked, I, 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 had, uh, I had very serious questions for Blue Angels pilots that landed at lacrosse today. Here's the other one. We've gone through a pandemic, and we're still going through a pandemic. Do you, when you guys are up there flying a formation, do you do the maintain six feet distance? Or? <laughs> we, we divide that by a little bit, so, you know, just cut that number down a little bit, but... Um, the, the formation flying is is truly second to none. Um, I hope to, to experience it next year, but uh, I can tell you that the pilots practice starting from November all the way through mid-March in El Centro, getting ready for a world-class flight demonstration. So it's those sets and reps that allows us to fly uh, the 18 inches wing tip to canopy separation. <laughs> 18 inches, I, that's all I heard there. 18, are they flying 18 inches apart, Trigoski? I just I should have had a follow-up question, but I, I don't I don't like to waste everyone's time. Uh, it, but but I, I think that's that is how close they get when they're flying in formation. It seems a little ridiculous. That's a clear violation of social distancing. Policy. I mean, CDC said three feet, so it is still we're still in violation. I think three feet's in schools, but um, yeah, just uh, it was kind of. Just the the idea here, and it sounds like he's not one of the formation flyers yet. I think he's been in it a couple of years, but uh, it sounds like maybe he's getting his chop. He's just getting his chops wet here. With uh, I, I'm mixing cliches, but um, so yeah, the the Blue Angel Jet Number Seven landed in Lacrosse today uh, to to lay, look over the lay of the land, is what he said. And I was like, you mean the air? And he just kind of he just kind of laughed. And um, and uh, they're going to be June twelfth. 12th and 13th and if you go to airfest.com you can get tickets they're doing like a social distance air show where you're just gonna essentially sit in the back of your pickup and you could watch the air show from the from from out on the field on the aviation field out there because there's 100 acres and they're gonna social distance the cars and there won't you won't be able to go on the planes or anything that's the only thing that sucks <laughs> well that sounds like a lot of fun still yeah it's it, uh, yeah i mean the air show is the air show right but they 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 do say like hey if you're gonna go you know, can, can you can you come and support the air show because we we we, we did have to pay for the Blue Angels right. to come. So, uh, we, if we wanted to get Libertarian guy on back on here to talk about uh, the government paying the Blue Angels to come to cities uh, and then take uh, on taxpayers' dimes and then asking the taxpayers to pay money to come watch the Blue Angel. I mean, if you want to get into that one, I won't even go. I won't even go there. Okay, we got a couple of minutes left, and we have a mayoral race that's winding down. Uh, I think maybe maybe ten. 11 more debates coming up. I'm not sure. Uh, but, but you, you did bring up an interesting thing, uh, with, with the, with your debate lately. And, and the fact that, uh, and you know, Mitch and Vicky are doing Facebook live videos. I think after every debate yep. randomly during the day, they're doing Q and A's with everybody. And, and Mitch said that, did Mitch say that this is something that should continue with the government? He, he threw that out there in his Facebook live last night that I was watching. Uh, and, 
I think it's a fantastic idea. Uh, now, obviously, we would we would want to make sure that people have access to it if they, you know, don't have access to the internet, that they can still participate. But you know what, Vicky and Mitch have been doing is having these weekly Facebook lives where anyone can log on and leave a comment or ask a question. And wouldn't that be a fantastic idea for the next mayor of La Crosse to continue while they're in office? So, you know, I know if Mitch is listening, like, I completely endorse that idea. Vicky's listening. I hope she would do that. I think that would be fantastic in opening up lines of communication between the people and the mayor. Well, when, during our debate uh, uh, Tuesday, Mitch did make the joke, hey, if we did this like a PM radio show, uh, where we had, you know, I think, but but in that it was a selfish question because I always I was rail on the the city's government page and trying to figure out committee agendas, uh, city council agendas, downloading PDFs. We need in my in my my idea, if, if, along with Mitch's idea, there my idea would basically have almost like a public relations person working in the city yeah. office. And, and not so much public relations. I don't even, like a translator. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna break down everything that happens that's on these agendas and make them you know more understandable. Because if you read some of these PDFs, they're they're in, and I don't have one in front of me. But the 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 wording on them is so it feels like it's from the 1800s. You have to make government accessible to the average citizen, Rick. And that I hope whoever the next mayor is will be a top priority for them. Because when you look at the website like you talked about, Rick, and you try to navigate that website. As a political scientist, I have a hard time navigating the city website. So what is the message to the average person? The message to the average person is that, you know, don't don't even bother with city government. It's too complicated and you'll never figure it out. Yeah. And, and that's not the message that we can send. Right. Yeah. And you, it's too complicated, even if you get through the three, the three tiers of PDFs that you have to find, because there's a PDF and then you download that and there's a link to another PDF. And sometimes it's two or three PDFs. It's like, uh, OK, I don't want to download 65 documents before I get to the 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 one thing that I want to read, and then the wording on that thing is impossible to understand because it's I hereby pronounce the and it's all just therefores and it sounds like I don't know I don't even know where that that's the where does that stuff originate from you know all that technical talk. Well, the olden days, right? Yeah, from right. the olden days, the olden the eighteen fifteen hundreds maybe before they I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, it just it seems like uh, that that would be, and that's that that was a lot of my questions on our debate on Tuesday. Just me selfishly trying to get answers. Uh, which you know, hey, you two mayor candidates, whichever one of you is is elected, just figure this out so that I can have a better understanding of what I'm trying to write about when I'm trying to preview. Because my idea here is, as a, as a media outlet, I want to preview some of these committee meetings and get them get that, that those layman terms out there so that people can understand what's actually on these 17 PDFs. But, man, it's daunting. Yeah, no, that's and that's exactly what the city needs. Like, someone to either, you know, put these in layman's terms or to translate them to give the average person access to local government, to give the average person the confidence that they can participate in local government, that would make a huge, huge difference. And I hope it's a priority of the next mayor. Now we're, we're, you know, less than two weeks. Well, we're about a week and a half, April 6th, Tuesday is election day. And people are probably a lot of, I think, I want to say there was like 4,000 absentee ballots sent out. So um, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts as, you know, the, the, the kind of the last full week of, of, voting before we get to that, you know, the Tuesday election. Uh, where, how do you see this playing out? 
One thing that's been rattling around in my head, Rick, is that, as you mentioned, there's been a bajillion debates and a bajillion events. And I've been wondering if that will all translate into higher voter turnout. Because on the one hand, you you know, we know face-to-face stuff tends to be more impactful and leads to higher turnout than the virtual stuff. But on the other hand, just the sheer quantity of debates and forums has been unbelievable. And I almost felt bad last night that I was having them do another one at UWL. Uh, But, you know, I I think this will be kind of an interesting test of the hypothesis, you know, like do forums, debates, and all the campaign events. There's just an incredibly intense campaign and an incredible level of campaign activity. Does that translate to higher voter turnout? Or is it just the same people who always vote who are tuning into these things? or, Or will this actually attract new voters into the fold? Yeah, we'll see. It's just it, it is a lot. Also, that it can't be a bad. It maybe maybe gets stale after a while because we we you can only ask so many questions. I tried to ask right. you know a couple of different questions, but uh, they get misconstrued too. If they had the questions in front of them, you know, right before, I think honestly, I think that would have been better. But uh, that's UW Lacrosse political science professor Anthony Chagoski likes to join us on Friday. I make him do that just so you know. Um, but man, thanks a lot for for joining again. <laughs> you you got it, Rick. See ya. All right, we'll see you at Finati's. All right, one more quick break. We'll be back. All right, just going to wrap up here a little bit. I pulled up, I I went to downloads on my computer, and I just pulled up an old, this is from August of 2020, uh, uh, on uh, one of the board agenda items, and this is how it reads. Whereas the Board of Public Works of the City of La Crosse held a public hearing on August 3rd, 10 a.m., for the purpose of hearing all interested persons concerning the preliminary resolution and report of the Board of Public Works on costs and operating and maintaining the parking system in downtown La Crosse for the assessment district, which is set forth in the legal description attached hereto and has heard all persons desiring audience at the such hearing along with considering any objections to the special assessment districts. One sentence. It's one sentence. Uh, next sentence. And this isn't as long. Now, therefore, be it resolved, in all caps, by the Common Council of the City of La Crosse as follows. And then it kind of gets into the minutia. And then later, be it further resolved, be it further resolved. It's just over and over and over again. Who who wants to read any of it? One sentence, the longest sentence I've ever read in my entire life. Can't believe it. Out of a pandemic, pretty out of shape. I was hard to hold my breath to do that. Um, all right, thanks for listening. Have a good weekend, everyone. Wow.